Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholt alongside Scott Dugan, co-founder and managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group. Scott, what's going on with you this week, sir? Another beautiful day in paradise, Walter. <laughs> Glad to hear it. It's a good time of year, isn't it? It is. I, I love the fall, even though the sun's not shining today. But I love the fact that we, when it gets cool, we can have our windows open and you know, just let some fresh air in. And that's, that's a fantastic time of the year for us. It's about time for you to go and pick out this year's ham, right? It is, yes. We're going to get the big one this year. We got a, we got the pan to fit in there, been there this year. <laughs> that's good. You should only ever buy the uh, a pan big enough to fit the the ham. You know, yeah. that's right. Got to let the. <laughs> otherwise, you got to cut the ends off, right? That's right. And for all of you that don't know what what the heck we're talking about, you should go back and listen to some of our past podcasts, and that'll explain it. <laughs> yeah, I think was it the very first one that we got the the ham story on the the original. <laughs> It was pretty close. Yeah, it was really right in the beginning. One. There's, a, there's a great story about the ham and why Scott trims the edges off the ham. And yep. uh, it's, it's pretty entertaining. So it, it takes a couple of generations to tell the story, which is fantastic. It, it does. It does. <laughs> well, we've got a great show on the way today. We are rehashing something that we talked about back on episode number, well, let me see here, Scott, I think it was episode number 21, if people are keeping track, you'll see. Uh, so about uh, you know six or seven episodes ago, the SECURE Act and how it might impact your financial plan. We dove into that conversation a little bit uh, last time around, Scott. We're going to take that conversation to the next level on today's show going to give you some updated information on the SECURE Act. This has to do with that strategy called the Stretch IRA. And we talked a lot about what the House's plans, the House of Representatives plan was. They're the ones who have introduced this thing called the SECURE Act. But there's a whole other side to this story, and that's what the Senate is also looking to do with a similar measure of their own, Scott. And the word that seems to be bandied about is even more draconian, uh, their measures or their suggestions for what to do with the stretch IRA. So I know you're going to clear this all up for us and kind of paint the picture, um, but uh, but maybe we should start back kind of just as a refresher for those who don't want to go back and listen to the previous episode on the stretch IRA and what exactly the SECURE Act is and then take it to the Senate from there. Absolutely. And if we remember that we talked about the SECURE Act, really in the fine print, it would effectively end the stretch IRA, meaning massive income tax acceleration for the families of IRA and retirement plan owners. And so those are the things that we want to focus on. Now, these are being trotted out as really giving more people access to retirement planning, being able to save for retirement. Those things are true. Uh, But on the back end, there's some things that are really going to accelerate the paying out of the tax deferred status of these accounts. And that's what we want to focus on today. And if we remember, as a quick recap, the House representative passed a new tax bill called the SECURE Act uh, with a vote of 417 to 3. All right, so those three holdouts, uh, they couldn't get to them. The definition Uh, of bipartisan, pretty much. (laughs) Yes. And uh, Mr. James Lang, who's a well-known 
estate planning attorney out in Pittsburgh. I've had multiple conversations with him over the years. And his opinion was this should appropriately be called the Extreme Death Tax for IRA and Retirement Plan Owners Act. <laughs> so <laughs> get his words, not mine. Uh, but he, he sees this as a big issue uh, with people. And we're actually going to reference the article uh, from James Lang on this podcast. So click the link when you get this and you can download and check out the article. Isn't it funny the way we word things, just how politics really focuses on the way things are worded and just the, the different emotions it evokes, you know, not, not to go down the, the political hole there, but just as an example, like pro-life versus, you know, anti-abortion or, you know, whatever, you know, pro-gun or, you know, anti-Second Amendment. You can just twist and put these different qualifier words. And so here's this like Secure Act kind of makes it sound you know, like a very positive thing, right? Like you're going to be secure oh, with this. And who doesn't want more security in right, their life, yeah. you know? And so when we think about those, you know, these words, and, and I really view the taxes on retirement plans and IRAs, 401ks, things like that. It's what in yesteryear, you would hear people say, well, he had to sell the family farm to pay the taxes. We had to sell the family business or sell the business to pay for taxes. That was the old estate tax. I think if a lot of listeners remember that state tax, also called the death tax. Well, now the numbers are so high of who that affects. It's a very, very small percentage of the population. I firmly believe that the income tax on IRAs and 401ks is this generation's estate tax because that's where all the money is. That's where money, all the money is saved is in these tax deferred accounts. And so again, all the fine print on both the secure act and the RESA, which we'll talk about here in a bit, it spells massive income tax acceleration for families. Uh, again, of IRA owners and retirement plan owners, especially those that have saved over $400,000 in their 401k or IRA. So again, the consequences can be devastating, you know, from an income tax perspective. I'm never a doom and gloom guy. I always think that everything has an opportunity. There's always a window of opportunity to focus on, uh, which I want to spend most of our time at the end of today's show on that, talking about what you can do, not just get you stirred up about what might happen. I think that's a better way to go about it. And I think the whole idea here to make sure we illustrate, Scott, for folks who may be new to even the idea of the stretch IRA in maybe the most layman terms possible. We're just talking about the spreading the tax burden out of your IRA over a really long period of time. And one of the consequences of these proposals we're looking at is to shrink that window in which you can spread those taxes out. So basically you're going to be forced to pay tax faster. Is that a good synopsis? That's a great synopsis. And so it said another way under existing law, non-spouse heirs of an IRA owner can stretch or extend the taxable distributions of an inherited IRA over their lifetime. And the benefit of that is protracting the distributions, let's say of an inherited $1 million IRA could mean as much as a million dollars to the heirs of the IRA owner over their lifetime. It's massive. So it's all about how quickly taxes are or are not collected in this case. That's and worth with, uh, repeating, I think, the that million-dollar figures. So having the stretch IR in place versus not having it could mean, obviously there's variables here, but could mm -hmm. mean a million dollars for those who inherited that th those funds. 
you know, if you inherited a million dollars, it could ultimately equal an additional million dollars to the beneficiary if you could stretch it out over their lifetime. Wow. Amazing. Pretty big. That's pretty significant, I would say. And so to wrap this up, under the SECURE Act, the entire IRA or retirement plan would have to be distributed within 10 years of the death of the IRA owner. So your time frame is a 10-year window. And so again, that's not your spouse. Your spouse gets to uh, inherit that IRA. There's no accelerated payout. Uh, But if it's a non-spouse beneficiary, like kids or grandkids, they're wanting to have a 10-year time frame to push that through. And why do they want that? Because they want to collect all the deferred taxes that have grown inside of that account. All of the deferred taxes that have grown inside the account. And so now you're shoving a lifetime of withdrawals down into 10 years under their proposal. What, what kind of impacts would that have on someone who inherits that kind of money and now is taking out well, I guess on the million dollar example, we're now taking out a hundred thousand a year. Is that where we stand? That, that's correct. So, an example, let's say you've got a son, and he's married, and between that couple, let's say they make one hundred fifty thousand dollars per year after deductions, and so taxable. What that means is that their ordinary income tax is going to be taxed on two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So not only do they pay a, a high tax potentially on the IRA distribution, that also could negatively impact their earnings that they're doing. So, and it just gets larger depending on the size size of the account. So yeah, it, it definitely has an impact. And if we look at today, you know, with the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, you know, you've heard me say it several times: taxes are on sale. They're at a 31 year low. And that that goes until they're set to sunset January 1, 2026, which tax rates go back to the 2017 values or levels. And there's quite a bit of jump between now and going back to 2017. And so if they inherit that during the next few years, you know, it's not quite as bad. But if 2026 rolls around, it could be a major jump up in taxable rates to those folks. And like always, it's set to go up in 2026, but it could happen quicker uh, depending on what happens politically over the next uh, few years. Yeah, that's not necessarily set in stone, right? Nothing is set in stone when it comes to finances and politics, I would say. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. It's permanent until it's not. Right, right. It's temporarily permanent. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so that leads us in. So we talked about Secure Act. That's a good summary. But the RESA, R-E-S-A, also looks to slash the stretch IRA. And so RESA stands for Retirement Enhancement and Savings Act. Again, Retirement Enhancement and Savings Act. Enhance. We all want to enhance. It, we, we all want that. <laughs> yeah. It's about savings. It's fantastic. And so in this, uh, instead of a 10-year distribution, like we talked about in the SECURE Act, they're proposing a five-year. And that's where it talks, that word draconian comes into play, uh, which is even worse. So it's bad enough that there's a could be a 10-year payout. A five-year payout is even worse. So in that earlier example, if your you know, kids are making $150,000 in taxable income, and that million-dollar IRA needs to be paid under five years, now you're at $350,000 in taxable income for that five-year period. 
that's got to have so, a lot of consequences on it. It is not just it, tax rates, but other things that you become eligible for or not eligible for. Probably a better yeah, way I mean, of saying it. Can you fund an IRA or Roth IRA? Well, if your income's too high, you can't. It's just that this whole cascade of events, if this happens, so. I think that with the rest of the one thing that they're going to they're trying to do to soften this provision would basically exempt balances of $400,000 or less for this requirement. So another said another way, if you've got $400,000 in your IRA, well that 400,000 could be stretched out over the beneficiary's lifetime. Okay. So the first 400,000 it, like it is today, stretch that out over your your beneficiary's lifetime. But anything above four hundred thousand, let's say you've got a million dollar IRA, well, that six hundred thousand dollars that it's above and beyond that threshold, that has to be paid out in a five year period. Did the other the Secure Act did it have that provision in it as well, or is that kind of a big difference between these two proposals? That's the big difference. So the four hundred thousand dollar exclusion is only in the RESA. That's a little helpful, but would still impact a lot of people above and beyond that amount. It does. And, it, and I would say 95% of my clients and the clients that you know, we serve as our firm, they've been good savers. You know, they, they've got more than $400,000 saved in tax-deferred accounts. And so I think the positioning on this politically is if they say, well, yeah, it's a five-year payout, but it's, oh, it's on those rich people that have more than $400,000 saved. Well, that may be true that it's a smaller group of people, but it dramatically affects a majority of our clientele and the people that we take care of. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm sure they uh, do not want to be exposed to uh, either of these plans if it's going to have a negative impact like that. Just not to uh, take us back to the school days here and learn, you know, I remember the video of, uh, you know, how does a bill work? And, you know, watching Mm -hmm. you go through the (laughs) House of Representatives and become law. But it seems like we've got two similar proposals here. The House is working on one. The Senate is working on one. Where do they intend to go with this? Because they likely wouldn't both pass them and then the other, you know, branch has to then vote on this bill that they've done themselves. Will they merge this eventually or work together? How, how does this usually play out in financial bills like this? It's usually that what's going to have is some sort of compromise on the details. But if the resulting compromise includes any of the changes to the distribution rules for inherited IRAs and retirement plans proposed in either of these bills, it's really spells the end of the stretcher IRA as we know it. I mean, no matter what they do. In a perfect world, if they said on a worst case, a 10-year distribution phase, that's easier to live with than a five, you know, for a lot of our clients. But it's anyone's guess what they may compromise on. And it's still to be seen if they're going to, you know, have a vote, come to a consensus before the end of this year to see what it's coming up in 2020. So we will inform you if and when they make a decision. And that's that will change some of the advice that we'll be giving from a tax planning perspective. Mentally prepare for the change, though, is kind of what I'm getting at by reading the tea leaves here, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because in reality, this the whole situation is really about raising tax revenue to pay for things like deficits that we've been incurring for a long, long time. But it's really going to impact the middle class IRA and retirement plan owner 
And it's ironic that they name these things the Secure Act and the Retirement Enhancement and Savings Act. Really, it's it has a negative impact on people that have put their head down, saved, controlled their debt, lived below their means. And the whole idea is thinking, well, I'll put this money away because when I retire, my tax rates are going to be lower than they were when I was working. For a vast majority of the people that we see, that's just not going to be the case. All right. So let's talk uh, solutions once again. If we are going to be impacted by this, where will you look to kind of take your clients? Well, right now, with the current tax rates being as low as they are, I believe taxes are on sale. You know, taxes are a matter of fact. And so between now and 2026, we want to look at our clients' tax diversification and find out what's the optimum levels to have in the different tax buckets. And when I say tax buckets, envision three buckets side by side. And that first bucket is the taxed now bucket. And that's where you're going to have your checking, savings, money market, uh, basically your emergency fund, and any type of after-tax investments. You can have a brokerage account with stocks, bonds, or mutual funds that you invested with your tax dollars, or maybe you inherited those. So we want to get that to a manageable level in that tax now bucket. Because why? Because that bucket produces a 1099 every year. And that's interest, dividends, capital gains. And so if we can minimize that bucket, that gives us more control. And so the bucket to the right of that tax now bucket is the tax deferred bucket. That's your IRAs, your 401ks, TSPs, 403bs, 457s. Those are accounts where you got a tax deduction to put the money into it, and it's growing tax deferred. But at some point, at 70 and a half for sure, you're going to be forced to take money out. And so with people with those accounts, we want to get that bucket down to a manageable level, meaning moving money out of it at the lowest tax rates we can. And for the most part, we want to get that to the third bucket to the right, which is the tax-free bucket. And why do we want the tax-free bucket? Well, in that tax-free bucket, there's a handful of things that you can put money into. Number one being a Roth IRA. For a lot of people, Converting some money to a Roth IRA while they're alive makes sense. For other people, it makes sense to convert to a Roth at the death of the first spouse, potentially. And why would you want to do that? Well, if we have a husband and wife and one passes away, let's say they pass away in July, and we do tax planning, uh, and I'm, I'm dealing with this the case right now, wife passed away in August. And this will be the last year that this client will be able to file married finally jointly through the remainder of the year. And why is that important? Because tax rates when you're married finally jointly are better than when you're single. The government does you no favors when you're single from a tax perspective. So we're doing Roth conversions, moving money out of different accounts, and taking advantage of these lower rates of marrying finally and jointly, because when he gets into 2020, he's going to have to file a single tax filer. So if we can get these things converted over in a tax-free situation, uh, he's going to be better off to be able to produce income and have a much lower tax liability going forward for him 
and his kids because they do have beneficiaries. And so that tax-free bucket, again, it's Roth conversions uh, while you're alive. You can do the one at the death of the first spouse, or you can do it at the death of both spouses, meaning clean up and convert at the death of, the, of both spouses and make that tax-free to the beneficiaries or a large part of it. So it's really about looking at what can we do now along the way that's tax smart and does it make sense to do those conversions now or later? And we've really got to walk through those because really you can only put that money that you move from the tax deferred bucket to the tax free. You can only put it into Roth IRAs. You can put it into uh, specially designed life insurance, or you can put it in municipal bonds. Those are the three things that have a tax free status to them. The Roth and the specially designed life insurance are the only ones that are tax-free going in and tax-free going out. Um, municipal bonds, you've got to be careful of because depending on if you purchase them in your state or out of your state, and also the interest on those at a federal level are counted towards your Social Security provisional income calculation. And I'm not going to try to go through that on the podcast because that's too complicated, but it's not truly tax-free all the way around. And so you know, some people look at those different options. And so I think right now, between now and 2026, and we're doing this with a lot of our clients now, how much can we move from bucket to bucket in the most tax advantage manner, what's tax smart, and set them up for success going forward. And we'll just deal with what the government gives us as far as the tax laws. And let's hope they stay intact until 2026. The other thing I would say here, Scott, as well, would just be you said you you know have limited options from where you can go from that IRA to roll it into the the Roth or into some of the other items you laid out. You also only get to do that uh, one time. Once you've made that conversion, you you can't really go back and undo it, right? That's correct. So you get one shot at it. Got to make sure you're making the right choice at the right time, and uh, it'll just be a matter of choosing the when of that equation it sounds like now or later what's right for you might be very dependent on your situation your outlook what's going to happen from an inheritance standpoint lots of little moving parts there but certainly a conversation that should be had and if you haven't had that kind of conversation before with an advisor you can certainly reach out to scott dugan serving you throughout the kansas city metro area but also serving clients all across the country you don't have to be local if you've got questions and want to talk to Scott about working together and getting a review of your financial planning, talking about the SECURE Act and some of these things and how they might impact your financial plan, you can tap into his 18 years of experience in this financial realm by giving a call to 913-393-4724. If you've got any questions, 913-393-4724. Or you can go to listentoscott.com to get in touch to ask questions there and to listen to past episodes of the show on listentoscott.com. And of course, we're on all your favorite podcasting apps as well. Scott, thanks for the help and the guidance on the show. And we'll look forward to another great conversation next time around. Sounds great, Walter. We uh, mentioned politics a little bit on today's show. We're going to talk even more on politics and finances. What happens when the two meet? It's the end of everything. That's your little preview for the next show. So come back and join us on the next edition of the podcast. You will not want to miss it. For Scott Dugan, I'm Walter Storholt. This has been your Retirement Elevated.
Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.